Welcome to episode 19 of It's Server Time. And today, as always, we are joined by our co-hosts, who I don't always shout out. Note, always a pleasure to have you on the show. And Mix, also, great to see you. Yep, that's, that's, that's Mix right there. Little, <laughs> a little finger wave. All right, love to see it. But today we're joined by a really special guest in JDC. He was on, for people that did not see the We Play Academy League, he was on the championship team, Mao's NXT, and uh, really impressive performance for him there. JDC, how, do you, how are you feeling Hello. today? I'm feeling amazing. Thanks. How are, are you? you guys practicing? Are you guys yeah. Uh, we took a little break, actually, after playing in Ukraine, just to like, reset mentally and calm down from the win, uh, win and prepare for the next tournaments. Okay, okay. Uh, and for people that don't know, JDC, you have kind of a mixed background. You, so you live in Germany now, right? And, yeah. But you have, what, family from Portugal? Or is that, is that correct? Yeah. Like, yeah. I've, I mean, I've grown up in Germ uh, Germany, but mm -hmm. I have family in Portugal that we like to visit. But, like, I mean, I've lived here my whole life, basically. So, for me, it's yeah, a mix in a way that I have to visit them there, and it's, like, split up a bit, but in general, just living in Germany. Mm, okay. Um, <clears throat> do... So, are you trilingual, or what? Yeah, I am, actually. Oh, I mean, impressive. It, it depends. Like, I mean, I struggle finding words in Portuguese sometimes, but I understand it fluently, so trilingual. Oh. So JDC to Furia. Okay, that's that's just what we're. <laughs> I was just reading Lucas's interview with her earlier. That was the first thought that hit my head. Too. <laughs> New potential option. Okay, well uh... he's a he's a German called Zira, didn't you know? <laughs> yeah, the the German. I'm, I'm getting humbled here. <laughs> I like that. I, I will blush if you keep on doing that. So. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, okay, let's talk about a little bit of your your guys' journey through the we play academy league i guess to the playoffs so i so is travel from germany to ukraine simple for you guys like do you just do you just get on a plane or are there like restrictions it was pretty simple like uh, i'm vaccinated fully so for me it was even easier uh we had no trouble at all we just jumped on the plane we had to like switch planes once you know but um oh, oh weren't you guys other in the camp though yeah, we, we met in Hamburg for the boot camp in the mouse facility before, so we can fly all together. I think it's easier. I think it's better as well, like building the chemistry and then just traveling together in general. We we didn't want to meet up just in place for the finals and then just go into it. So we planned the boot camp right before the LAN, and it was pretty nice. Yeah, it was okay. That that brings me to my first kind of like real question about Mouse and what they're providing you guys. Since you guys are the academy roster, I did kind of briefly ask. Uh, I think it might have been you on a post game interview about what is Mouse bringing, like giving you guys, and they're already giving you guys kind of the facilities to work in in that boot camp. Uh, what about throughout the season? Are they giving you guys any feedback beyond that? I mean, they've been supporting us amazingly with everything, like they can give. I'd say. Um, I don't know if there is certain feedback. I mean, obviously you get some kind of uh, feedback from from the CEO and co. Just you know, congratulating on the win, for example, or talking how the games are going and seeing if everything is fine. Uh, pretty specific. I can't go into detail there, but uh, mm. in general, they're just providing us with amazing stuff and caring about us a lot. So, um, yeah, it's. I would say they are caring about us as much as on the main team. I don't know if that's true, but 
they've been showing the same interest. At least it feels like that for us. So it's been going great. Oh, that's pretty cool. Do you, do you guys scrim the main roster a lot? Not a lot. I mean, we scrim them a couple of times because it's it's always have been good practices against them. It was very nice. But it's not like a priority to just scrim against them. Yeah, I'm just wondering because I'm trying to get a gauge of the, the structure of some of the academy rosters and the way they do it. Because I think NIP scrimmed their, their academy roster a bunch and their coaches interchange between practices or something as well. Mm-hmm. Does, uh, do your coaches ever swap out in, in practices? No, or anything? they don't. I mean, I know that they talk behind like a bit together and talk about different things that they could change and stuff like that, but they've never swapped anywhere. No, they've, it's always been sacrum for us. And yeah. One thing when I was doing my research for the Academy League is that I found out you and Cyclone put together the whole roster. Uh, you talked to, I think, yeah, Neo Kai, right? I think about was the interview yeah. where he uh, talked about, you, you talked about how it was just, so okay, how did the process all start? Because did Cyclone did was Cyclone involved with Mouse? He messaged you, and then it just started from there. Or what? What was it like specifically? Uh, I think it's it's kind of big. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it was uh, that they were built like planning this whole academy thing way before, and uh, I was just popping into the into the like into the eyes of mouse because I was in talks with a prod- prodigy agency I think it's the name if I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. yeah and um uh, Jerome the the leader of that uh, like put my name towards Mouseports Academy building and just threw me in there and after that they contacted me and I think I was with a Certion actually he was in talk as well a bit very early and then after that they contacted me was uh, like asking me if I want to be in part of that and I mean, yeah, obviously, since I'm now there, yeah. it, it was a goal of it. So I joined them pretty early. And from then, we just like, um, uh, like uh, Stefan, the CEO of Mouse, contacted Cycron, but like he wanted to work with him. And I didn't have to do very much anything with the Cycron decision, but he got on the boat as well. And then Cycron, me and the CEO just started talking about potential picks. And from there, it just grew and grew and we built up anything that came after that. So... Okay. Um so you you did have a huge hand in picking the the players on your roster. And when you were doing that, were was it kind of what was the balance between doing additional research versus just kind of saying like, "Oh, hey, I know Torzi's really good on Budapest 5, so let me just get him." <clears throat> well, I mean, we kind of knew what roles we were searching for and uh like for me, it was really important that we have the right personalities. So before we make any kind of decisions, I mean, obviously, HLDV ratings and performances on tournaments are really important for a kind of decision like that. You need to know if the players perform consistently and you know how they perform in general. But um, after like searching out a couple of players, Torsi being one of them because he has amazing statistics and he's just a beast in general. But um, we we always had a talk with him personally. Most of the most of the talks were with Cycron first, not with me. Because he wanted to get to know them, and like, um, yeah, if the personality didn't fit, we just didn't consider the person, even though he had amazing stats, maybe. But um, yeah, after like going to talks with all of the people that we had on the list, it it went very fast. It was not like that we were searching for weeks. We were analyzing their de- like demos and seeing how they play in general, if they might fit the role. We didn't have an IGL at the start. We were like thinking about putting me on that role, mm. uh, but I didn't want to be an IGL. 
at least for now. And uh, so with a uh, suhe, or like the way I like to call him, sushi, we <laughs> we had the kind of IGL fit there where we like thought about him maybe being an IGL if we pick him. And yeah, I mean it turned out to be exactly that way, right? He took over the IGL role, uh, IGL role very gladly, and uh, he's very good with the uh, season. The other Polish players, like it's a duo, mm-hmm. and they were both ready to like. Um, Switch teams, they wanted to do the same thing as we wanted, and then we were like in talks, and it just clicked everything pretty instantly. So, mm. uh, yeah, we, we, it just, they were our first tro- uh, choices, every one of them that we have right now, and everything worked out in, in, in a perfect manner. So, very yeah. happy how it went. That, them being all your first choices is, uh, I mean, it, it, I mean, with how you guys are performing, it looks pretty good. Uh, so, but that is a little surprising. Like, you didn't, as in kind of like, like you guys, was there kind of an age thing? That's a, because I'm sure there's better players out there, but everybody here kind of fit that uh, like 18 to 21 sort of range, I would say. I mean, it, it's like we obviously wanted like a lot of talent and everything in, in the team. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, the theory about picking be- better players that are kind of older is obviously a secure way to go. But I think we have, in those players especially, we have so much potential and growth potential that um, it might just be the right way. As well as I'm concerned is that you need a certain age limit for the We Play Academy League to participate in it. So uh, you yeah, can only yeah. have one guy above 21. That's me in that case. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we wanted to play that league because it was really important and uh, we need to like fill around with the ages on that specific type. And um, yeah, like I said... Uh, those people had the perfect age as well as the perfect personalities. And um, they're just incredible players altogether. And they have insane potential. We saw that instantly watching their gameplay against different teams. So we wanted to have them. And yeah. What kind of uh, coach would you say Cyclone is? Like game to game? Is he doing anti strat work? Uh, helping you guys with fundamentals? What, what's, his, uh, what's his input? That's a really good question. I would say he's a really dedica- uh, like dedicated man. A really dedicated guy. Uh, I'm sure he anti-strats. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's part of the industry. You need to prepare mm-hmm. for your enemies. But uh, he's a very positive man. I would say he's a positive coach you can rely on. He's there. He has your back in a way. Um, he does an amazing job in preparing for the enemies. I think because of him, we have a lot of good preparation and feel comfortable playing our game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he works a lot with uh, the IGL, obviously, and together, and they do like stuff that I don't know about it beforehand, but uh, they're doing it amazingly well. And yeah, I would say in general, if I had to describe his personality or him as a coach, I would go ahead saying that he is a positive, dedicated coach, pretty much, and okay. he's very good at preparing and analyzing stuff. Do you think that him working out gives him better shoulder rubs? <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think that. Like, he has an amazing strong hand, you know? I mean, sometimes I'm scared that he rips off my head. But um, other than that, like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I had to ask just because he, he, like, tweeted out, like, hey, are there any good gyms nearby? Like, so. Mm. Uh-huh. He's uh, truly dedicated with the gym, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it seemed like it to ask that kind of question publicly. <laughs> okay, let's let's get a, more, a little bit more into... I guess the We Play Academy League itself and some of the players and teams in it. I want to yeah. know from your perspective, uh, a few of the names that 
because a lot of people, uh, frankly, didn't see, you know, everything that happened in the group stage or the playoffs, who were some players that when you played against them, you really felt their impact and or like people that you could see making the jump to tier one sooner than later? In general, the whole league or just the finals? Um, either, either, either. So group stage no. or finals, like who are the best players against you? Yeah, I mean, the obviously, the obvious pick I would consider it is Monacy, right? Okay. He's an absolute beast. Uh, he's very annoying to play against. He finds a lot of openings on the teaser with his orb. A uh, very strong player. Um, yeah, I think ZDR as well, very good player. Mm-hmm. Doing the IGL role and performing pretty good as well as just showing that he's a good player in general and capable of many good things. Um, if I would go as well, I think um, who surprised me besides Monacy? Uh, Regali played very good mm-hmm. uh, in the group stage especially. He was annoying to play against, but it was more like a consistency of being annoying. Like not those flicky, insane Monacy moments, if I can yeah. say it like that. Just he's being, he's doing his job and he's there and he does it consistently good. But it's not that you like uh, will rip your hair off because you get annoyed by it, right? It's more like, all right, he's there, he does his job. But uh, yeah, I will, I would go with those three people: ZDR, Regali, Monacy, probably. I mean, I can't pick people of my team, right? Because <laughs> I don't play against them. <laughs> I mean, everybody but, uh, did play well. If if I had to pick somebody on your team other than you, because I highlighted you before, I would probably you. say for for people that. Um, I think kind of people sort of knew Torzi. I think Budapest 5 just participated in a couple more like tier 2, tier 3 things. So I saw them more. Uh, I even casted a couple couple things by them at, at some point last year. I'd say Exertion was somebody who I didn't really know anything about. By halfway through the group stage, I was like, okay, this guy is doing a lot of work in terms of just reading situations very well when he's making aggressive plays that... Yeah. is not costing him his life more than like it wasn't just mindless running forward at all like that's that's something that's always refreshing where it's like okay he's actually like kind of probably a sound cue went his way or he kind of read a nade and he's like and he either pre like pre-aim something perfectly so that he can get the entry or it's uh just like he he doesn't he doesn't force the issue every single time and that's yeah 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 so i i would probably i'd probably go with him for I mean, yeah, that that's probably he's easily uh, my surprise pick for your your roster. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he he was the is the youngest of all mm-hmm. of us, and uh, he was the most gamble pick, if I can say it that way, regarding his no experience whatsoever, nearly yeah. no experience. But he's been doing amazing and like uh, showing that he's like for his age and for the experience he has, he plays so good CS that I'm like I was really impressed how he like fit into the role we give him, like gave him. Just being an entry fragger, and he's doing an amazing job in it, as well as just his communication and vibes are incredibly stunning. Like when I was 16 years old, I wasn't able to, uh, like when I maybe had a bad role or bad game, I wasn't able to cheer my team up like that. He was screaming on LAN every round. It was so incredible. <laughs> I was really impressed by that. So he's doing amazing. That's. I think, uh, I, oh, go for it. I was just going to say, I think during, during the matches, you also. Or someone who's sort of hyping up a lot of the team was that, like, how how much, uh, like actual effort was put into that specifically for you? Like, how what was your was that part of your main focus during the whole league? Mm, I mean, I think it's really important for a team to be hyped or in a way always in a positive mood mindset 
like wise as soon as you fall off that like hype train and you get into this mood where you're a bit annoyed and you're a bit like angry about the game how it's going i think you instantly perform worse than what you're actually able to do so having people in the team that will continuously like motivate you even if you lose close rounds which you will do in in kind of tournaments like that we lost so many anti-ecos and rounds were like nearly heartbroken and having people there sitting and just you know motivating and screaming and shouting even though it's going bad it's really important for your for your for your game and mental health right so for me it's always a plan like talking to the guys making sure that everyone is on the same page like feeling good about themselves feeling good about the game and i'll just scream so much in game like after winning rounds like just i think i wanted the same when i was younger i never did it then and i wanted people to do that in my teams so now i'm just doing what i wanted when i was younger for other people and uh, I mean, they've been going on that vibe as well. Everyone is screaming immensely. I, I think you can hear it in the VOD everywhere, just people shouting around. It's been amazing for, for the mental. It's, it's definitely also, I think, necessary in situations like that have, that have pressure, such as in the, the playoffs of the, the We Play Academy League, where the, like, it, it felt like a bigger event than... It kind of was like it was a glorified studio, but damn, did yeah. it look good. And so it yeah. felt, I'm sure it felt like, like a, almost an arena event in terms. Obviously, no crowd sounds, but I could feel like the way that teams were playing. Uh, for example, like I, I think Big probably didn't play as well as they would have online uh, because yeah, it, it kind of just was one of those things where if something doesn't go their way, they lose an anti eco. It felt like the likelihood that they were going to lose a few more rounds on top of that just because they lost some mental momentum is was higher uh i guess yeah. would you yeah would, would you agree that it kind of felt the pressure like did it feel like the game was maybe maybe not for you but for other people the game might have been moving faster for them because they are not in their homes uh, i think so yeah I, I i like i mean i wouldn't say i was nervous but i was really excited as well and i mean yeah. even got to me a bit you know it was just being back on land as well since a really long time uh, for some people the first time on land at, at all is probably an amazing step in their career but it will all like get to you emotionally mm -hmm. and you will get nervous and you will shake and uh, it will affect your gameplay i think you can't deny that uh, when you when you start off and you will you will have that kind of pressure you will probably uh lose a bit of focus in game just because there are so many different things around you that is completely new uh yeah. so yeah I, I would agree with the fact that big didn't play as good as they would have online because it mm -hmm. is a land environment and they got a bit nervous i mean you can see the like the the heart rate going up to 140 150 <laughs> on some players which is which is really high if we are honest right and i mean it's a good thing but yeah nothing to worry about only you can learn from that so Okay, uh, I'd want to open this up to everybody, uh, especially Pronogo, uh, if Pronogo's around, who I didn't shout out in the beginning, I realized, but he's the guy that's been pushing the buttons and producing for us. With uh, with the Wii Play stuff, I feel like the highlights that anybody would have caught would have been kind of the AR, stuff like that. Uh, did you guys notice anything else you enjoyed about that production? Because, I mean, I, I felt like it was it went crazy, but yeah, what'd you guys, what'd you guys see? I, yeah. I like the, the return to the deaths sort of facing each other for the for the players. Mm, um, yeah. That's that's honestly one of my favorite setups at LAN, and I'm glad that we're seeing it more. I know Flashpoint tried it before we went online, and it was yeah. also looking really good. Um, 
I just hope we keep seeing more of that because I hate players. Obviously, with COVID, there's like other reasons behind it, but I hate players being like different rooms or like facing the crowd at an angle or something and not really being able to, to you know, get up and and sort of yell at each other. That's half the fun of it. So, sure, sure. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good point because when you can, people were yelling at each other or like looking at yeah. them across the room. That was actually <laughs> like that led to some good kind of like camera moments where people would just like signal at them or i don't know they would just yell at the other team and stuff so that was all good that's the essence of land for me man like the whole being mm. able to not just big up your own team but in a way sort of trash talk in a whatever you, you <laughs> some people think it's unsportsmanlike but that to me is the whole appeal of a, a land event is that you can get into somebody's head and if they're not strong enough i mean it's the whole reason why people sometimes crumble even without that on a land stage in my opinion is they don't have the the know-how or, or the experience to fall back on and still keep cool so yeah for me i was really appreciative of that as far as the production goes i was just also pretty happy with like the ar coaches that they came in during some of the timeouts i thought some of the other stuff that they did where they would have these random bits of like there was that uh, Harry riding a giant cock an overpass if you guys remember that one like stuff <laughs> yeah. like that is just there's there's things that they throw in and they don't at least in the cases that I saw it wasn't in the middle of a super important moment in the game where they were trying to like you know keep the focus it's not like the stuff that I, I'll, I'll call out ESL for this one where they keep saying like here's the grand finals of this event now surf and chill between maps one and two I know I already said that last episode but it's so annoying <laughs> like in this case they seem to use it tastefully and I just thought it was like a nice little that's going to make a clip that's going to go on the re- you know front page of the subreddit and then get shared on Twitter and like draw more eyeballs into the scene, specifically for these academy teams. Like That stuff is actually more important than probably p- some people think because it looks very silly in the moment. But I think it was great, yeah. Definitely. I mean, 100% have to agree. For yeah. a little bit of how that kind of went about, WePlay kind of just asked us to take like a bunch of pictures of ourselves like in different ways and stuff and, and just... We didn't, I think we kind of knew that they were going to do maybe some ARs. Like, we didn't know exactly what they were going to do with it. But then kind of like a couple days in, we start seeing these things pop up. And it's just like, wow, that that that's something that I've never, I don't think I've seen the AR coaches or talent before on a CSGO event. Uh, definitely seen like, I think PGL was probably the first where they brought up those graphics where it would be like a, here's some stats above some player or something. That, that was always cool. But then this just goes another step further that it actually is putting talent in the game. Yeah. That I, I, it's so hilarious, actually. Uh, it makes only it... Valve could do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True, true. But if Valve just could hire one person, one more person on this, the game. I mean, Dota maybe. gets like voice lines from their casters and their, in their wheels and whatnot. It's, yeah. Don't see why we can't get it. It but... would be. It doesn't true, seem true. like it's it should be as hard. Like, oh, dude, if you could do radio commands and it's caster lines, oh my god, that'd be just. Dude, imagine weird. winning like a one v four, and then you just have Anders go, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> Someone just spamming it, <laughs> it in chat. I want to be able be to be in the middle of a of a clutch and do the radio command where Sadekis says, "It's the Big Apple, and I'm hungry." There you go. There's an idea for free. <laughs> Use that one. Um, also, I know obviously it's been talked to death, but I did really like the the heart rate monitors. That was a really cool addition to the broadcast. Mm-hmm. I, it's something I'd like honestly want to see at every land from now on, just because it was Super a really cool, yeah. interesting addition. That it obviously in in a just as you watch the match, it doesn't add anything specific. But then you see situations like I think the Inferno Grand Final that you guys were playing JDC. Um, 
there's I, th- I think it was like 10 11 or, or there's some deep score line on inferno and you guys stacked top mid with usps and oh, yeah. uh young men just tried to come up and and go into top mid and if you just watch their heart rates as they all get double dinked by USPs, it goes from like ninety or a hundred to like one twenty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just fun to see stuff like that. That's just like you know it's happening, obviously, but like seeing it actually jump up is just a, a fun addition to me. Yeah, it is. I mean, it doesn't bother the players at all to have that on their arm, so it's pretty nice having it. Just as well for us watching it in the like after in the VOD, just seeing how we are feeling while playing. I mean, you will obviously not know what your heart rate is playing the game. Yeah. But when you come back from like the stage and your manager says, like for example, yeah, you had a heart rate of 140, and you're like, what? Really? I had? And I'm like, oh, okay. Dude, you were cold. Yours didn't go above like, like 80 or 90 the whole time. Your whole te- All of your team was 110, 120. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was pretty cold, but I didn't feel cold at all. I was like so hyped and on like eight Red Bulls, maybe? I was on a really a lot of energy drinks, so I was like, damn. I think you would watch Zipnik's play, and he would do a clutch, and his heart rate would just go down, whereas everybody else is going up. It's like, wait, what the fuck? He's going 60? 60 beats per minute? It's yeah. comfort zone. Exactly. Yeah, one of it'd be cool. it'd be fun if you got a coach one too. If you got a coach heart rate, oh yeah, you see someone. No, see that should team... be higher than the players at all times. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> they miss one smoke and he's just 140 instantly. Like fuck. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Um, I'll, I'll do one last thing about the the we play. Oh, sorry, I'm just gonna say like, if if you look at my heart rate during any time, if like if I like if I like know what the other team's doing right, it's something we discussed. So like we know exactly what the other team's doing. And then we like lose the round anyways. I think that's when my heart rate would probably like jump up most on stream to like just be like 200. Guys, <laughs> 200. Yeah. Damn, I feel that's, that. I feel that's that. always the point where I'm like, guys, we knew exactly what they were fucking doing. How do we not win? Isn't that what happened with Devil Walk and like one of the old? This was like sometime last year, I think. But this is before when we had lands before, so it must have been even longer than that. But he, there was a, a scene where he was like shouting at one of his players that went up on. Everywhere it was sharing that one. That one. Oh, I remember it, that. It was with Maiden. Yeah. It was because like yeah, Maiden, yeah, yeah. like it was like Maiden, like wasn't talking or something at the end. Yeah, of the game. It, it it ended up looking way worse than it actually was in practice. Yeah. but it's just a memorable like, scene. He used to like a big no no or something yeah. like near the end of the game until Devil Wolf was like chewing him out instantly. Even though they won, so people were like upset about it for some reason. <laughs> um. Okay. The last thing I have about we play and for JDC is kind of just like. Young Ninjas beat you the the first time, and it fi- kind of felt like, in some ways, they earned it because they had more composure and they were able to come back. Like they were, you guys won map one, Vertigo. You guys were up, I think, fifteen to eleven or so, and then they won Vertigo map two, and then they just kind of just stomped you guys on map three. Why? What kind of changes did you go? Because it was just one day later. Did you guys actually go back to look at? Okay, what plays do we need to fix, or were you guys just more on the side of that was a a mental defeat for us? Um, we actually didn't go back and plan on fixing anything in the gameplay. I think everyone knew that after Vertigo, we threw that game like not hard, but we threw it. Then we could have closed it out. Um, we had a mental problem in the third map, and mm-hmm. like in general, I think on Vertigo we had a mental problem already as well. We're a bit scared of making plays or decisions just because of, you know, it's getting closer and closer to the finals and it's really important. Stuff was getting heated. 
people were making mistakes, you know, everyone. So um, after losing that game against Young Ninjas and going back to the hotel, we just, like, chilled out. Everyone, you know, went through their room or had a good time. I actually played a bit of Rocket League, I'll be honest. I came back to the hotel and I, and I grabbed Exerdion and we played a bit of Rocket League together and we just chilled out, like, reset the mind. And after that, the next day, we had a really good, really good talk, uh, an intimate talk with the whole guy, like, everyone in the team, where we talk about emotions. I, I bring it up because I thought it was really important. I, I noticed people were not, like, behaving the same way they did at home, the way they, like, spoke, the way they behaved in general on the server. So I just, like, threw it in the room. I was like, guys, what's the problem? What's up? You know, let's, let's talk about it. Embrace the emotions you feel. So we had a really, really good talk on that. And after that talk, uh, we played the final. It was, uh, we had the talk after the second map loss against Fnatic Rising. Where we, get, we went outside and we had a 10 minute talk that was really in depth. And then after that, people just changed completely. Like, mm. it felt like there's no pressure anymore. The people got really relieved. Uh, it, it, it felt like home, literally like home. I can't describe it otherwise. And we started, like, you know, getting more in the comms in a positive way. You know, you, you heard it in the voices. People are really comfortable now and in the zone. And it changed everything from there. So after that, we, we, we won the mental game in a way. And we're ready for Young Ninjas in the final. And uh, we just felt differently from the day before, I would say. Yeah, you guys, I mean, grand final, you guys just kind of made that not that interesting. <laughs> you guys just smashed <laughs> them. <laughs> like, map one, I mean, just just completely decimated them. I guess map two was pretty close. Yeah, I mean, map two and three had points where they were close. But really, when the games were closing out, you guys were far enough ahead that it, it kind of felt like there's no there's so little potential for you to choke here because you guys got your your choke out of the way like that's it's a, yeah. yeah okay i mean i mean map one was uh the hardest one i'd say to get over because we got smacked on it uh the day before a mirage mm -hmm. and uh there was the mental burden to overcome and after we did that in, in an astounding fashion because everyone just stepped up hugely it was like you know we, we were very comfortable on the other maps after that mm -hmm. Okay. Um, one more thing quickly, uh, sort of tied into both of these. That I I also really like the the fact that there was comms that were played from teams, uh, just at various points throughout the broadcast. I'm wondering how that uh, I guess not affected you, but like what what your general uh, thoughts were there, especially because you were I think the only team that was actually speaking in English, especially at the finals at least. Um, so everybody else I guess has a bit of an advantage in that sense. Well, I mean, it's really nice to have that. I think it's amazing for the viewers as well as just, you know, it brings a different vibe to watching the tournament when you get, like, those insights. As long as nothing gets leaked that is really important, it being strats and, like, freeze time, you can't really put it on in the freeze time because you will talk about different things you want to do in the round, and it might leak something, which happened once to us, I think, in the group yeah. stage. We had a talk and just wrote replay that we need to, like, you know, don't put it on in the free time, please, because, you know, we might talk about important stuff that shouldn't be, like, public. But after that, it was just, like, it's completely nice having that. And I think it's a great feature, like, tournaments should add in the future. Did you thought... know in advance, like, what rounds those were going to come in on? Or did they, did they no. tell you, or was it just random? It was completely random. Gotcha. I mean, they, they had it in the last round of every game, I think. Where it was getting to the 15th score, and then you had it, which might be the last round. They had it there, but other than that, you never knew when it happened. So, I mean, we didn't even know it while playing. Just after the game, you know. Then obviously, but uh, they never had any kind of warning sound or something. 
Um, I don't know if they didn't tell you guys, but after a while, they it became the same rounds every time, where it was the... I noticed the it was first, like the second pistol, usually, or something. Second pistol, they would have it. They would have it also for the, the hard anti-eco. So when it's guns versus USPs, they would actually listen to the USPs voices. Uh, that was... And then, and then, like you said, as soon as a team gets on a map point, so they hit 15, it'll play the comms of the team that hits 15. So oh, three different times. And, and yeah, and all of those are, in a way, other than the 15, let's say like 15-9 scoreline one, the, the full anti-eco and the pistol round, they don't reveal so much like a gun round where it's like, oh shit, they threw this smoke. So like this, like this is how we should be reacting right now, guys. So you don't show your prep work too much except for mm. on the fifth like the 15 9 round or whatever uh we yeah. did here like fanatic rising for example we heard keve just say like like they threw this smoke that means they're in this setup so we should do this like yeah like, yeah so that that round can get a little bit hairy and you kind of just hope that on that round that the team that's ahead wins because you don't want anything to kind of come back to bite them in terms of that. Not not that anybody could feed them tells or anything from what they just said, but you know, it, it's kind of more fun to just hear the the winning moment. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's why I kind of say it like that. I think that's enough for the We Play Academy League, unless anybody else says anything. I think we're I think we're pretty um, good though. Not about the league. I'm just wondering. You said that you guys were taking a bit of a break after after the finals. Um, what? I guess you can't say what you're playing in, but what sort of tournaments are you looking at considering? I don't think you can play in the same, uh, like any of the same sort of events as, as the main roster um, for, for certain leagues. So I'm just wondering what your general direction is going forward. Uh, that's actually a really good question. Uh, I mean, I, I know for sure that we got a couple of invites. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name, so I probably shouldn't yeah <laughs> but <laughs> uh, i know there are a couple of tournaments coming up even this month that we will play in mm. uh and uh, as far as i'm concerned i'm allowed to say that is that uh, the we play academy league will start very soon as well yep where everything will go and we will play there as well again so that and a couple of tournament invites where the main roster is not presented and we will play there yeah yeah it hasn't been announced yet so i won't say specifics but we play is looking to renew this whole concept for for multiple seasons so sweet i didn't know it'd run that soon uh yeah yeah that's really sick i'm not i'm not gonna spoil an announcement though yeah yeah of course yeah Yeah. i mean i don't have any specifics any as well so yeah okay um all right so let's talk about what our listeners probably actually watch a little bit of pro league uh so let's get into i i think the thing is about pro league that Note has been watching a lot of it. I think Mix has caught a little bit of it. But because JDC and I were both covering the We Play Academy League, we didn't see as much. So we're going to actually take this more with like a, a speculative approach where we're going to look at some of the playoff draws here and we'll talk about kind of our feelings with them. So let's just let's just start going in the round of 12 here. We got Forza versus Ents. I did watch actually a flit demo because I've kind of been saying that this guy might be one of the best riflers on Mirage, period. and. I I think that Ence has been like kind of on the uptick a little bit, but I I think that Forza have been just kind of like working in this tier two scene so hard, and I I'm not gonna say like that I think their new roster additions are like blowing me away in Kenzie and Zorte. I think Zorte is pretty good, 
I, it's just that they're they're a little better than Face Crack and Xy Power. I I don't even know if I would say Zorte is much better than Xy Power, but he's like he's solid, and Kenzie is better than Face Crack. Just like so the combination of the pieces is a little better. Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be it. Um, okay, if you guys had to, let's just do it. Let's just do the predictions hardcore. Okay, so JDC, who do you think is winning that Forza versus Ents? Forza against Ents. Uh, actually, Ents surprised me recently with good performances. But um, I would say Forza wins a 2 1. Mm, okay. Next. I think, what's your uh, take? Next go. This is a pretty even match. It's like, could easily go either way. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I think I'll favor Ents a little bit, just because Fours hasn't really impressed me like as much as like they haven't had like as high as peaks. I feel like lately as like Ents maybe had. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like spanning over the last few months, and I kind of feel Ents has just kind of impressed me their level generally more than Fours. Um, I'm not really too sure about like Fours' group at EPL, like in terms of like the strengths of it between Cole having a stand in. VP not looking too impressive, and then obviously G two just playing like dog shit. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, considering I think Ents played in a much more difficult group and just generally impressed me more lately. I'll say I'll say Ents. Mm. Okay, no. Yeah, I also think Ents takes it. Um, probably two one. I can see a possibility of a two zero, but I think it's probably a three map series. But I think during the group stage, they actually looked surprisingly good. Like they, I, I expected them to come in and be a contender to make playoffs, but they, they actually looked very much in form and like they'd actually been working pretty well during the, during the lead up to it. So especially after the, the one concern for me is that they'd get an eliminated in the Nordic, uh, Nordic qualifier for, for blast. Yeah. Um, by I think Oplano or OO Nation or whatever Zero Zero Nation they call them now. Yeah. Um. But or no, I me mean, that was Fnatic actually. I think they got eliminated by another team. But anyway, they. Uh. Yeah, that is a bit concerning. But I hope that's just them taking it as like practice leading up to to the playoffs of this. Um. Mm-hmm. But I think they take the series in the end. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Ents two one, and I think Forza wins Mirage because I think they they should beat just about everybody on Mirage nowadays. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's, I, I think that what's going to be worth watching in that is the, the flip POV The you like this guy just seriously, I, I don't, he's just finds such level of consistency as a rifler on Mirage that, and he's not even, he's in a pretty good role on CT side. Like he gets to do whatever he feels like any given round, I think. Um, but he just makes so many great decisions. And then on T side, he he kind of is all over the map also. Sometimes he'll be the palace guy, but he's just somebody where it it really does feel like I've seen him in so many different situations now, and every single time I feel like he just makes the perfect almost near perfect play. Like it's but it's only that map. So like <laughs> like I wouldn't yeah, but he'll he'll carry them for a one mapper, but and so I'll take it. My only concern is that they might just catch on to how Ens was playing because I think if you watched Hades POV during some of their group stage matches, they did just use him to lock down an angle for like fifty seconds, and then everybody else played around it. So if they if they start getting countered in some sense, then it's possible that that Forza also couldn't take it. But I'm the that's... only guy that went with Forza, right? Yeah, so. yeah, you are. All right, all right, that's interesting. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it will be spicy. The 
I, I'm glad you bring up Hades because I actually did watch some of uh, Hades demos also uh, a couple of months ago. And his willingness to just hold an angle for 50 seconds is unmatched. I've never, I like, I always feel like operas get bored after maybe 30, 40, like maybe 30 or 40 seconds. But then this guy will literally start around and end around in the exact same place and he never unscopes. And I'm like, what the, like, what, what kind of like built in Adderall are you on? Like, how are, how are you doing that, man? Like, it just feels like I would get bored. Like, I know that for sure. I watched him on Ancient go and hold the, the angle for mid uh into ct yeah um from the start of the round he was there until his team exec a at like 30 seconds or something <laughs> yeah, and sorry. i was like what is this yeah uh okay next one next one liquid versus fanatic i like this one because i think if there's any team us naers have been watching it's probably liquid uh so mix who do you who do you think's taking this this is another one that i'm just like like a lot of these like first round matches are all pretty good Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like predictability, um, I'm gonna go Liquid. Just they've been around longer. I think they're hitting like a pretty good stride at the moment. They seem they look pretty good coming into this event and how they've been playing. Aside from like the Furia match, but even though Furia is playing with a coach, that's like kind of a tricky match to play, regardless. Um, so yeah, I think Liquid's looking better at the moment. Fnatic's still like kind of new and is still kind of getting together and getting their shit together. But that can also help them in terms of like the honeymoon phase and stuff. So. Um, but overall, I think Liquid's looking good, and with their more experienced, kind of like a lot more experience playing with each other already. So I'm going to go with them. Okay, JDC, who you've got? Uh, I mean, yeah, I will go with Liquid, uh, Liquid here as well. Uh, I I don't think the Fnatic is quite there yet with uh, the like Alex and Mercy coming up. I mean, it's been a while now, but like uh, I think Liquid has been way longer together. Like. Uh, Makes sense, and I mean, yeah, I will go confidently with Liquid on that. Note: Are you predicting the upset? No, I think I think Liquid <laughs> take it. I think I know that Fnatic have been practicing for quite a while. Like they started probably the earliest out of these top teams, um, from what I know. Like they they started like first or second week of August. Um, but Liquid's also been boot camping since like the twentieth or something in Europe. So I think. I think also with the with the way Fallen's form has been looking at this event, he actually looks like he's being a lot more aggressive and back to a little bit of his old style. Um, I think Adren even said in a post game that he's just letting Fallen do whatever he wants uh, with the up. Uh, so I think Liquid take it. Fnatic could take them close, possibly take a map, but I think Liquid are just looking too good right now individually to to lose. Yeah. I'm I'm not gonna make things too interesting here, and I'm also gonna p predict um, uh, liquid. I I I think I will 100% echo your sentiments about fallen, because I think on I would say on the CT side now, like you're saying, he just his his plays in the micro are so much sharper than they were six months ago. It's like he. I don't know if he needs to like buy a house, so he needs some more money or something. Like I don't know what's motivating him here right now, but I think yeah, I think that Fallen is is somehow like getting a second wind on his career, and I think it kind of starts right here with Pro League because his yeah on on T sides I feel like yeah, he's looks a lot more comfortable. Looks yeah, a lot more like because like, like the thing about Fallen right, what I've been waiting for like this era is like if if Liquid is just gonna keep rolling with like Stewie calling and then Fallen just playing just like almost like passive op or like just not really doing much, you know, missing a lot of shots. Like I was like, 
this lineup's never gonna fucking work. It's never gonna be good enough. Yeah. Just because it's just Fallen can't reach like a high enough level if he's not calling. And like Stewie's calling isn't good enough to like make up for that. So like committing now is like Fallen. I think it they have like more committed like Fallen calling now, right? And so with with him calling I pretty sure it's Fallen Fallen, calling. Fallen's been calling since the start of the since the end of the player break, basically. Okay. 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 So yeah. So like Fallen's calling now more, which is like exactly what I think he needs to like be at his best level opping. You know, it's like I think it's it's strange because like there's some people that go one way in terms of like opping and calling and where it's like they can't do it because it's like there's like too much going on, they can't focus. And then there's other people that like almost have like both abilities, both opping and calling upgraded by doing it because they like being in the center, they like controlling the map around themselves. Like their opping is like upgraded because they're like in control of it a lot more. So uh, with Fallen, I think that's that's the case for him. You know, like when he's calling really well, when he feels comfortable calling, that's when his opping is going to be at its best and like most impactful. And that's really what 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 Liquid needs right now. And I think if this keeps like developing this kind of like uh, formula for Liquid, I think it's going to be super super good. Yeah, yeah, totally yeah. agree. I I think they are putting the pieces together in the way that everybody sort of dreamed that they would fit. So this is a. Uh... That's a like I I think Liquid's just so much more on the upswing and yeah Fnatic I actually to touch on them I I don't actually love their structure right now uh, I don't I think that um I I think Mezzi is is good like don't get me wrong like I think he's solid but I think I also think that watching him get to like second in everybody all the time is kind of boosting his rating a lot and I think that his CT side has been more impressive for me uh, overall. But I also just think that Brolin is almost like too sacrificial on this team because he's first inning a lot, and I really don't. I don't love. I don't love a first in Brolin every single round. Like you know, it's it's okay time to time, but it was nice when on the previous iterations he could bait Golden because Golden just was like, yeah, I'll just run it. Like I don't care. You know, it was one of those kind of IGLs. But Alex isn't really. He's not always like sometimes he'll run in early uh, for. Brolin, but it's more often than not like I see Brolin as the hard entry, and and for Brolin to put up the highest rating of anybody on Fnatic while being first in is also just like, dude, this yeah. kid like this kid needs to get unlocked in a different way for me. I'm kind of curious like how their structure is panning out at the moment because one thing I know about Alex is that he is gonna like work like the structure that they have now is like an ever changing thing, right? It's like it's Alex is always figuring out what he needs to like get people more comfortable or like you know just in general what he needs to do to improve it. So he doesn't really have like a set way of calling or anything. Mm-hmm. So that's something I think I would hope doesn't last forever. Um, just you know, he'll change it like if it needs to change if it's not working enough. Because it's like Mezzi can easily like just go first in, or you know, Alex can do it, or you know, it doesn't always have to be Brolin. That's maybe just what's easiest at the moment, just kind of like how things have kind of fallen into place. Uh, yeah. Concerning like maybe Brolin just thinks it'd be like the easiest at the moment if he's just going in first for like Mezzi and stuff. But you know, it'll kind of change around based off of that. Um, because obviously Alex is kind of coming to like a different situation where he's with three guys that have, well, two of them have been playing together for you know a few years at the moment, and then you know Jackie has already been there as well, so he's coming in with like three people that like were already playing together with structure and stuff compared to like C9 where he was building up everything from like the very beginning, so that can kind of like play into it as well. But with Messi, it's like it kind of surprised me hearing that. Um, I haven't watched him too much, but like, because Messi is definitely someone that can go first in and still like perform super well like Messi. like the beauty of Messi is that he can literally do any single type of role and just like doesn't care like he just does it you know he does what he needs to do you put him in any spot or any role he's just going to learn how to get better at it and that's like Mm going to be the end of it so i mean he'll do whatever he needs to do 
So if they have him like always going second, I guess it's just to make him like more comfortable at the moment. Well, just touching on your structure point, I, I had like a really brief interview with Alex before their EPL group started, and he was basically saying that uh, he's it's sort of still in a transition phase where he's trying to figure out a way to make his more structured system work with the free flowing sort of uh, implementation that Golden had before. So that's still like a bit of a struggle that he was having in terms of trying to not clash, but sort of uh, combine those two styles into, into something that would work for the whole roster. So especially back then he said, it's still like a work in progress basically. Yeah. I could imagine that. Um, Okay, that's a that's a great wrap up, great insight, guys. Uh, Mouse Sports versus NIP here. Um, let's see, JDC, well, who are you who are you feeling for this one? You have to pick. Uh, are your hands tied here? Do you have to just <laughs> make that pick? <laughs> my hands are tied now. I will go with Mouse. <laughs> okay. I all mean, right. who would have believed that I will take anything <laughs> else, right? I mean, yeah, I'll go with Mouse. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay i'm gonna right. say mouse right. as well um i don't know nip just doesn't really look that good with lnc it's weird because it's like i think lnc is better than, than ztr was but overall they just looked a lot worse uh they looked really bad in that group a lot of the time to be honest and then they they beat gambit but also that match didn't matter at all to gambit so not like yeah. gambit wasn't trying but like naturally you're just not like it's just not gonna be the same um so yeah, I just think Mao's overall impresses me more at the moment. They didn't even they haven't like they've had like some like kind of like poor policings. But like even like Cologne, for example, like I think that match for Liquid is like super close. It's like Liquid's a good team. So um, overall, I think Mao's looks better, and I think we'll win it pretty easily. I don't like it might go three maps, but I don't think they'll ever be in danger of like actually losing it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. I think it's gonna be mouse who take this and ip just didn't really impress me much in their group like it, it the the matches they played weren't specifically standout they kind of got owned by liquid and then yep. there was gambit who had nothing to play for and then the Firo one was the one that was most concerning because like yes gary played really well and they like in general the the caserato is nuts in their group as well um but the fact that NIP couldn't beat that team when they yeah. had to fill in last second with their coach is just concerning as a whole to me. And I think Mouse Sports' form looked a lot better coming NIP into just, like, even, like, when I solely, like, look at the results, it doesn't look that bad. But it's yeah. just, I don't know, just based on, like, when I watch them and just kind of, like, what the results seem to consistently be, it's, like, I'm just not buying, uh, like, the like they're not passing the eye test for me at the moment. Just in terms of, of, I don't think they can be like super elite team, you know. I have, I have like literally been on this train since last year when I wrapped up how I was like, NIP are just the team I watch to see the other team's demo, basically. Like yeah. that's just that's still in a way like so frequently the case. I, I think it hasn't they, really changed. Yeah. No, no. Like their initiatives are so like they're just so kind of simple a lot of the time in rounds, and they're just still very reactive. Like I forgot who said it. it's. It's just very Swedish, you know. It's just like they want to react a lot of the time. They want to just play a free flowing style. But there's a little bit more to their early rounds than there used to be, which maybe is because of what Device brought them or showed them. Uh, he's like, guys, we probably need to take initiative a little more often than what we have been doing. So, yeah, may, that's like, what Alex will be yeah. good for for a fanatic because Alex, like, 
sometimes you just need to do like random shit and just change it up. I don't know, yeah. like and I PS Hampus and you know he does that kind of stuff sometimes. Yeah. Um but it's like on like say like on C9 and like with with like Alex calling, it's like we were playing Entropic, so Forrester is on Entropic, right? And so on yeah. Overpass, what Forrester always does every single round is like he'll just walk out monster on like a random timing, just yeah. fight the barrel guy. And so one time we were scrimming them on C9 and like he just kept doing that to Floppy, just like walking out monster and killing him. And then so like we were playing, we were going to play them in a match and I was just like, well, if he's going to do that, then just buy a fucking off and just peek him and kill him. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, he doesn't care. It's like Floppy's like the barrel player on Overpass. He's like, well, if it's going to work and just buy an off. Like, you know, and it's like, that's like a really simple thing, but it kind of shows that like, you know, he's willing to do just like whatever shit that will, will work. Like they can get an yeah. opening, you know, mm-hmm. like he's not like super set in terms of like what 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 your options are like if you think something's gonna work and you want to do it then you know as long as you explain it and then you explain like where you're going off of it then you know you can always do it right just a little bit of creativity can go a long way uh thinking out the box okay let's i i think this one is to me it's the most clear-cut actually complexity vitality uh, yeah to to round things out this is i'll just go like this is vitality all day every two zero yeah this is a dominant two zero for me uh, I, I just don't see how complexity could complexity's group. Like, I'm glad you brought it up earlier. No, like group B was like the group of bad for sure. Like you yeah. had, you had G2 who were asleep at the wheel in their games. You had sinners who, I mean, despite making some of these games competitive, uh, they, they just kind of fell short a lot very frequently. And then, uh, Virtus pro, it sounds like this team has inner turmoil or something. So complexity just got lucky, the perfect storm of everything going wrong for other teams and somehow this just working out in their favor. So I, I think they were like, they're very happy that they even made it out of their groups. Whereas Vitality are probably pretty upset that they even lost that, that, that heroic mm-hmm. game. So mm-hmm. like they, Listen, they had shout out yeah. about group B though. Shout out Thorns boy, Oscar 1.05 rating plus 17 for the group. Not bad. Not bad for one and four old man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For one and four, that's solid. That's pretty solid. Does anybody does anybody have like a dissenting opinion though on on Group B or or on uh on this matchup? No, I was okay. just gonna say Reddit tells me that Group A was the group of bad because Bad News Bears was in it, and like that's just one know, team. That's just I know, I know. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. See, it's like it's, every it's all... group had teams that went zero and five, yet they're the yeah. only ones who got shit on when they have no opportunity to practice in Europe. Yeah, and no sponsor. I'd say. Listen, I'd say. I'd also say game. like Team One had much more opportunity to win a match. Than oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, because they had Furia playing with their coach. And, oh yeah, yeah. and they've Whereas, been like, practicing there for like and, the and, last and three Furia weeks. Is literally like another Brazilian team. It's like it's they they know Furia. You know what I mean? Yeah, playing it's a domestic coach. matchup, even overseas. Yeah. Whereas like Baddies Bears is playing like their easiest match was Team Spirit. Astralis. I know that's so like, hard. It's just it's like, like you're not gonna win there if you're not ready for EUCS, really. Like, man, yeah. it's fucking hard. They have no practice. Like, they got there like two days before the event started. Yeah. Bad. I mean, Group A is the only group that had like an absolute free. Like, for the other teams that weren't Bad News Bears, one free win. Every other yeah. team is so competitive. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Vitality 2 0 there. Um, okay. Maybe we could just jump ahead. Who do you guys think is going to win it all? That's that's the last prediction on EPL. It's got to be Navi. You got, you going it Navi? just has okay. to be. I'll still say Navi. Navi. Although, listen, one thing I do want to say is that whoever wins out of Liquid and Fnatic is going to 2-0 Heroic 
probably not going to be close because there's no way a team okay. can play well at the moment when you're like that much scrutiny. <laughs> when, yeah, when you have like literally being like potentially banned on the back of your mind for oh like a God, year or something. Yeah. Like, there's no way. Like, there's no way you can focus and be like ready for that shit. Like, Listen, man. There's it's really hard to focus right now. There's a lot of hate coming my yeah. way because I knew my coach was cheating. So that's just <laughs> a lot of on my conscious. You know, I think I'm really the guy who should be respected here. To be honest, yeah. that's my that's my take. <laughs> so. Whoever out of Liquid and Fnatic wins their game is going to go straight to the semis to a, a nice match against Navi, most likely. I mean, I could be wrong. You know? Maybe Ents actually beats Navi and then heroic fucking heroic just wins. But... I, okay, let's, let's put the Patreon questions on hold for one second because we've already brought it up. You know, like the, this whole Hunden thing, we'll get it. Like, this is the news portion where we're just like, dude. <sighs> Come on, man! Like, there's just <laughs> so there's... <laughs> funny, dude. I have not really paid like a, like a lot of attention to it. Like, you know, I haven't read like every article because I'm just like, there's like something new every day, and I'm just like, dude, I don't fucking care. Like, shut up. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like every day it's something new, and it's like Isik. I'm like, listen, whoever gets whoever cheated and gets banned for it, whatever. But it's like at this case, it's like there's something new like every day, like. Hunden's like pointing another finger at someone and it's just like, oh my god. Well, you like, see what he did was he realized how often NIP were in the news with like one article after another about how Cristiano Ronaldo just joined their team and like, that's really amazing. <laughs> Every single day there's a new article about this. So Hunden thought, oh, well I can do that and then accept you. Yeah, at this point, I don't think anyone even remembers what NIP did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> NIP, what happened with them? There's, yeah, there's Server? Just... What? <laughs> It was just too yeah, the Anonymo thing is like long gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was like that was like five years ago. It actually yeah. feels like two years ago already. Yeah. Hunden has just made everybody like live in the mo like the moment every single day because you're right. There's there's completely new information constantly. Like it I hate I love and hate that he decides that instead of just kind of taking the punishment on the chin. He wants to just one up himself constantly and then burn the bridge at the end of all of it. You know, like let's let's put it to the point where okay, so he was willing to cheat for his team. Okay, so that's one thing. And then he like already thinking about that, Astralis and Heroic were in a way kind of complacent. Like they were okay with that. They were complicit on his actions. And then, like, if that's not enough, you kind of think if you're Hunden, if if I'm kind of like thinking about that, I'm like, oh wait, I cheated. They knew I cheated, and they were okay with it. So maybe like people are like in a way in this gray moral area where it's it's okay, it's it's kind of okay because I got away with it or because I served my punishment. But then instead of just just living with that, he decides to call out other people that cheated with him because now at this point there's where there was before maybe like an iffy situation where it's like. You know, maybe I could hire Hunden because if he's cheating, it's to help me win. Now it's like, wait, he's going to take me down with him. I'm never like, there's no <laughs> world now. Like you could even work with this guy. Like if you had questionable moral standing before, he just painted the picture so clearly for you that if you do work with me, I will take you. I will cheat and I will take you down. So like, how could anybody look at this? And I mean, the, okay the other thing is that he didn't even call them out initially he only called them out when he found out he was being banned by isik yeah. for another yeah. two years like he waited mm -hmm. up until the last minute and then he tried to get ahead of the news story from isik like the second they informed him that he was going to be banned he started coming out with these interviews on tv2.dk or whatever uh, and it's it like, like surely you if you have this information a you'll provide it to isik 
B, you're not going to go out and publicly lie that they aren't contacting you and then in your same statement say that they have contacted you. Like, it's just so <laughs> absurd. Like, it's literally back to back. He's like, they have not contacted me, but they told me this. And it's like, what you, so which one is it? Like, It's, it's so just, bad how, like, he got like, kind of, like, caught for it. Because it's like, I'm sure, like, the thing he sent to Astralis is probably just, like, a general article that just, like, talks a lot about, like, your, like protocols and, like, you know, how they react to certain things or like how they like their philosophy and like anti-stratting or you like how they like build their you know like it's probably just like a layout of all that shit right you know just all kinds of different types of shit that kind of just show like the type of coach that he is motherfucker my camera is not <laughs> there we go Whatever. camera not working that's never a problem hunden's had yeah so <laughs> so um so like with hunden and i'm like losing my train of thought but what was i on about <laughs> that he got caught. Okay. I think you were saying that he basically was probably putting together a general article instead of okay, something yeah, highly yeah, yeah, specific. Okay. I got like so sidetracked by my fucking camera because he's been doing that all day. But um, so yeah, he was probably just putting together like a general thing for like astrals to kind of show like the type of coach he is, all that shit. And so, but th- it seems like the way that he did it was like specifically detailing certain things and like heroic or like it was made like sort of with the players, and that's like what he sent them. So you know, it was like a general thing like about their team internally when it's like this literally wouldn't been like as much of a problem if he just made like the entire same article and just like kind of like like made it himself you know it's like his own philosophy if that makes sense you know this is just like you know these are just things that like i think about the game like how i like to do things it doesn't necessarily how i do it in my teams at the moment it's just like you know like an ideal an ideal version of his coaching and his style like in his team it's like you know this is like what i would do this is like this and this is how I would answer strat like and if he did it like that way it probably would have been like totally fine you know if he's like making like his own content for it or whatever but it seems like the way he did it like using like stuff specifically about how heroic is doing things and like you know with the different players mm-hmm. ultimately got like fucked because that is like sharing Music like intimate said, knowledge yeah the, the commissioner even said in the hltv confirmed that hey, if this were about other teams this would be fine actually like he kind of yeah. kind of said if you're anti if you tell one team about anti-strats for what you'd know about another team that isn't your own team it's yeah. it's actually kind of fair game to share information like that because that's just homework you did like mm-hmm. about somebody else so it, it, yeah the fact that yeah, it was i was so thinking weird. at first like because like remember that like people at thirst thought he just got like banned for like sharing anti-strats that he did with another team and i was like yeah <laughs> i was like Hopefully no one goes like looking into me for <laughs> Yeah, people people talk about I like, it's a lot of coaches that get banned, dude. <laughs> yeah. The thing is that Isak had the had like whatever he'd sent and the the whole anti-strat thing was because he publicly said that he shared anti-strats, which is what they banned him for. If he hadn't publicly said that, then they would have conducted the whole investigation and banned him for the actual like contents of it. But because he had basically publicly admitted to sharing information then they banned him for that plus finish their investigation. So like yeah. it was a combination of the two. That's why the whole anti-strat thing was a topic for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but also on top of that, one of the big problems is that they were playing in the same event. It's not even that he just shared heroics anti-strats. They were both playing in Cologne. Yeah. So like that's that's yeah, also what's the time when like coaches like share something with someone just to like, you know, go like feedback. Like usually like if you share anything, that shit's like at least like six months old at like the least like that's like it, it, usually, it usually be stuff that's like a year old or like around there if anything's shared but like at the moment like at the least it's gonna be with like a dead lineup like a team that like you know doesn't exist anymore so it doesn't really matter 
Yeah, that and, would you know, implicate you as badly. Yeah, and it's going to be for like some like event that was like six months back or something. You know, like it's just the example would just be to show like how you do it, maybe, and you know, like give like an example. It's not yeah. going to be the information itself isn't going to be like useful. Mm-hmm. Okay, Hunden bad. Yeah, maybe bad. heroic players bad, but that is yet to be seen. Okay, heroic. let's get to the let's get Hunden to the is back, baby. <laughs> Let's let's get to the Patreon questions here because we still have somehow, some way, a few dedicated patron patrons, and uh, we are appreciative of their donations. And be sure to give. Maybe I I'm thinking this will be a there's like a good chance this will be more consistent. Uh, the show I think I don't know. I mean we'll see we'll see. Th- I just think thank the patrons. Who cares? Who cares? We're like okay, let's just fucking get into it. All right, Easy Pete wants to know. Is Flashpoint 3 the best we will see of Mouse Sports? Thanks for the show. Appreciate how you all talk about the scene and contribute contribute individually. So, JDC, what is your take? Yeah. Do you think Flashpoint 3 is the peak of Mouse Sports? That's a really good question. Um, I wouldn't say so. I think there is uh, a bit more to come. I think they're still grooving in a bit to a certain extent. And um, no, I wouldn't say it's a peak. I think there is a lot of uh, things happening in the background. They're working a lot. They're improving individually and in general as a team. So um, yeah, I think there is more to come, definitely. I will say flat out that Mouse Sports won't have a peak like Flashpoint 3 until they drastically change what's going on with Acor. Because I think that he is by far the weakest link on that team. And I think that he needs to either reinvent some of the ways that he finds initiative in rounds, or he like they might just flat out need to replace him if it, if it doesn't get better soon. Because his, his performances have been so forgettable for the af- like after Flashpoint 3 that... And like you just want to forget them. Like it's just... It, it sometimes feels like he takes one or two shots in a round and dies. Like the best offers in the world we'll get off, you know, six good shots. Maybe five. Nope. We've had Alex drop. He died instantly after saying that. Aker came here knocking at his door and he kicked his... (laughs) (laughs) Hi guys, it's me, Maui Snake. You you talked up Mouse Sports and then the second that Alex started saying anything negative, you got him taken down. (laughs) It's very quick. I mean, yeah, to, to a certain extent, he's right, but that's what I meant with improving individually, right? So, yeah, I, I personally think that once they get back to LAN as well, we'll be able to see a little more from them. I think it's... it's I, I find it personally really hard to make judgments for teams in the top 15 just purely based on online play. Um, just because a lot of these teams will play exponentially different online. Like, if you looked at FaZe purely during yeah, the online era, they looked absolutely awful. The second they got to land and they started winning matches, they even said in their EPL interview that um, winning those land matches gave them confidence to win online matches. Uh, it, it's it's really weird that uh, it can do, it, it obviously works like that, but yeah, it, it's I, I think once we get back to land, then we'll have a better game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, while really Alex is dead, I'll be right back. Hmm. Yeah, sure. I'll grab a nice drink as well in the meantime. All right, we're back. A little bit of a technical issue on my end, but um, yeah, I was grilling Acor, and then he uh, wallbanged me through a couple continents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 
So uh, I won't talk any more trash about Acor. Just kidding. I'll finish the point. Basically, it's just that Acor doesn't get enough looks in rounds, and I think that needs to change. And I think that once he does, if he gets, you know, say four more kills per CT side, then I think that mouse boards are in they're in contention with themselves to find their old form. So I think any everybody else I think is doing actually a pretty good job from what I have seen. That being said, I only think I watched one series of theirs during the EPL groups because we were I was like traveling and things. But uh anybody yeah. else have uh I'd say the same. Just mostly not like they need to figure out just the opera in general, whether that's getting a core, like you said, more looks. Getting like a new opera if he's just not going for the licks himself. Um mm-hmm. if he's like kinda like mind fucked himself or something. But yeah. at the moment it's like they have like two really good riflers. They have what yes. seems to be a solid IGL and Dexter. Uh Bemus, I'm not too sure on. I feel like I'd need to watch more and like pay more attention to him and what he's doing to like have like a really solid opinion of whether I think he should stay or not. Um, he seems to be doing like a well enough job. But everyone else is just figuring out like the opping presence on the team. I think it's like the big the big thing they need to do. Um, if they can get like an opera that's like consistently up there somewhat with with Frozen and and Rops, then I think they can hit like a new peak and be pretty consistently around like the top five. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question from Adam. What do you think is holding back talent in the Bulgarian region from being picked up by more international teams? Um, to me, Bulgaria, the Bulgarian scene seems a lot more isolated than other regions in terms of like how they interact with other regions. It's maybe dumb, but like, because obviously Poison and Cirque are also on, are on international teams. Um, but aside from that, it's the thing about like the Bulgarian teams, like Skade and like Fiends and like some of the other some of the other teams that I think are around there, um, is they have very unique play styles. So it's like they they those teams are like some of the most unique teams I've I've played in Counter Strike. Like Fiend is probably like the Voivoda team that we lost to on C9 and like that I've played on on Nordavend. It's like one of the the weirdest teams I've ever played, like ever. It's like their reactions and like how they react to things and like how they do things together is often like so random and just like so it just seems like something like only a team that's like so kind of like yeah, has like can do so it's like the offers seem to get like flushed out to other things but it seems like it seems like once you almost like and i mean i i don't want to say like this this thing this question almost isn't like that true because it's like ships also was like picked up by some international contact? teams yeah. Yeah. Contact, yeah so it's like I feel like they have got some opportunities. It's just they're not some. It's just there hasn't been as much talent as of late because like Dreamer was always like Vac Band. Um, they've had some uh, more names coming up like Karn and Red Star that I haven't seen uh, with too much interest from like international teams. So I'd yeah. say like they they do to an extent, but I'd also say that Bulgaria in general, if they're not, it's just because it's a it's a bit weirder for region compared to like other European regions in terms of like how they play CS. JDC, is there anything you know about uh, uh, Bulgarian like integration with other European teams? Because I think Nix brings up a, a good point that you don't really see a Bulgarian player just usually randomly decide to join some other EU mixed team. Yeah, I mean, it's really complicated to go into that detail because everyone is not that involved in the Bulgarian scene as obviously the Bulgarian players. Uh, I would jump on Mixon uh, saying and pretty much agree on everything he pointed out. Just like, I don't know if maybe the 
people actually don't want to jump into that mixed international scene as much as they want to play in their like home country teams, right? We have mm-hmm. Fiend, you have Skate. Um, they feel comfortable maybe in that kind of area. And um, maybe it's not only partly the team's not picking them, maybe it's as well the opposite side of them, maybe just wanting to play in a, in a CS where they're comfortable at and not jumping into this mixed international gameplay, right? I mean, Han played in, in Blue Jays, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, international with uh, Fessor and uh, Quick, I think it was. Some mixed lineup. He played there a little bit. And then after that, he jumped uh, away and went to... Uh, he's playing in Fiend right, uh, right now, right? Yeah, um, sure. yeah. Yeah, so... I don't know, but it, it seemed that that didn't work out quite as well. So maybe it's a mixed up thing of point of views from both sides. Okay. Okay. Next question from Fursock, who has been a very committed patron, is how do you get over slumps of form in officials when you feel like you're performing well in other areas of play, like pugs and scrims? Uh, I'll just open this up with JDC. How, how do you get over any slumps? I I truly don't believe in in the way of having a slump only in officials and performing well in other areas. I think that doesn't exist. I, I, I think that if you have that in your head, it is only in your head. Cause yeah, just I was, gonna say, at it, I was just yeah. going to say, it seems like a mental thing. Where, yeah. yeah. I, don't know, I think Agreed. the biggest thing in terms of like this thing is that like you seem to be a lot nicer to yourself in terms of like how you're playing in officials. Because most mm-hmm. likely it's like you're playing good in pugs and scrims. And then like you start off like kind of bad in official, like you played bad in official. And it's like you're focusing on like, what am I doing wrong in officials? And like, oh my god, I can't play well in officials. And it's just like totally mind fucking yourself instead of like being nice to yourself and like trying to focus on like taking just like the official map and seeing, okay, what are some good things that I did that carried over from like pugs or scrims? You know, maybe what are some things that I can improve on? But like, you know, be nice to yourself. Like, you know, you shouldn't yeah, be like, too definitely. hard on your performance. You have to like build up your own confidence and like take the wins where where you can get them. So, I think most likely uh, I mean, it's being too hard on yourself. That, like already in the question, like it's separating officials from scrims and pucks and all of that, and I think you shouldn't separate it that much, right? I mean, in in scrims you prepare for the officials, so when you play good in practice, you should as well probably play good in officials because that's how you prepare it. And um, like having the 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 mindset of practice is different from actual officials will set you up that like you will feel different in officials, you will like behave different in officials. It's just a complete thing in your head that will like fuck up everything you put in work, right? So to feel comfortable and confident in your in your, uh, in your actions and skills, I think you need to understand that the way you practice and the way you perform in practice is as well the way you should perform in officials. And you should just believe that that is how it will go and turn out. You should never dub yourself any goddamn second that uh, this is an official now and I maybe lost my complete skill or maybe I'm just now. It is nothing yeah. different. It's like you prepared for it, you play with your team, you worked for it, now it's just time to do what you did in practice the whole week before. Don't fuck up your mental at all and just don't go into that thought because people really love to make fear for themselves. You know, They go into all those kind of scenarios that will never probably happen, but you have it in mind. You go like, oh, maybe I drop only five kills and shit is going down really bad or maybe I do this and this and this. And in the end, it never happens. So just don't live in fear and accept that you're prepared for it. And if it doesn't turn out good, you have something to learn from. But in general, you should never worry a second about uh, playing bad in officials. So just take it to your heart. Be nice to yourself. Like Mick said, that's a really important topic. A lot of people get really angry on themselves for performing bad. I think it's very unhealthy to do that. So just be nice. 
calm about uh, playing bad. It happens, and you will learn from it. The greatest players in the world played bad games before they became the greatest players in the world. So uh, just be chill about it. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, in general, it's just that, like, um, a lot of people, like, this goes for, like, anything, like, just for, say, like, CS as an example, but, like, once you're, like, getting to, like, the official, like, you're about to play it, pretty much, like, any official that you play is just, like, you know, how you play in any... People think they have, like, more control than they actually do over, like, how they're going to play in, like, any given official. Um, you know, like, when you're about to, like, start an official match, it's, like, they think they're, like, solely in control of, like, how they're going to play. And that is true, like, to an extent. But more so, it's how you're going to play in, like, an official and how your team is going to play is more just a combination of, like, every, like, pug and scrim and, like, every lesson you've learned from those and just, that like, the experience you've gained from them and, like, how how well your aim, how much your aim is, like, improved over, like, playing over the course of time, right? So it's just so many different things that go into, like, how you're going to play in any given game in terms of, like, other factors that just change variably from game to game in terms of, like, how you'll play. And so understanding that, like, you're not as in control as you think you are. And so there's only, like, certain things that, like, you're able to control within a certain game to, like, kind of change. Like, obviously, you're thinking during the game, but you're also just acting instinctively, right? Even if yeah. you're making a decision, the reason you're making that decision that you just made is because of things that you've learned over your course of the time of the game, you know? So you have to, like, trust the decisions you're making, trust your instincts, trust, like, the time you've put in and how it's going to affect how you play and just, you know, how the other team's going to play. Just have faith in, like, the things that you can't control and yeah. just keep working towards that and just keep, you know, just keep understanding that, like, it's just a combination of, like, all the work you've been putting in and, you know, how you play in the game is how you're going to play. And outside of that, you're just trying to influence that as much as you can. Mm -hmm. I think one last thing I would add to all of it is just don't change up your out-of-game routine for official days if you're doing well in practice or pugs. You know, just mm -hmm. I think that just is like sleep schedule or caffeine consumption or eating yeah. or something like... Yeah, like, like the, always to like, always to like the extent that I can... Like that you should have like the same routine for like pretty yeah. much everything. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm not gonna like prepare I'm like if I have like a full day to like say like it's like the final day of just like an open qualifier, right? I have like a BO3 that day. So you know, just to get into the close qualifier. I'm probably as much as I can with my team, I'm going to approach that match the exact same way I would approach like a major grand final. Because yeah. And that's like, that's no exaggeration. I'm going to do that because I don't want like any difference between the two. You know, I'm not going to prepare more for like a major grand final. I'm going to do like the, what I need to do for both matches. Because if I do like, if I'm trying to do more for like a major grand final, that's just going to change like the mentality. Everything starts yeah. to feel different. Like the routine's different. Everyone's going to feel a bit off. Like their nerves are going to be higher. Maybe, maybe not as much, not as confident because it's not something they've done as much before. So it's just keeping like the same routine, you know. Just as much as you can, like within like time constraints and everything. Obviously, obviously, sometimes you're changing like a bit to bit based on the schedule. But um, just trying to keep everything like as your routine the same as you can, from like scrims to matches to different types of matches to you know just everything. If you can keep things as consistent as possible, so you're having like the same reaction and feel like you're going into the same thing every time, then you're gonna be you know more consistent in how you make your decisions and like how your aim is feeling. Like all those things are gonna play into each other. Hmm. Okay. You want to start from the same baseline, and the second you start deviating from there, then you become uncomfortable. And half, and once you're uncomfortable, you're not confident. And more than half this game comes down to being confident in your decisions. And so yeah. it all sort of combines together. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. 
I just gaslight myself when I play the game sometimes, and I'm like, I saw this in a demo. I definitely saw this in a demo, so I'm going to make this play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not, it's not going to stop me whenever I own the game. Just be like, yeah, this guy's just really fucking good. Just yeah. the best player in the world. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's move to the, the question of the week. This one is a toughie. Um, and I'll, I'll pose it a little bit more specifically than I wrote it for these guys uh, right before the show. But the question is, which of these lower rating players would you build a team around? And I have a list of players, but just for the purposes and like the objective of this team, let's say that this player has to be one of your two best players on the team, and you're basically trying to like make a team that will make it to the top 25, okay? So someone that you think that if they're a top two player on your team, you can at one point reach a top 25 ranking. So the players are Jesus. (laughs) The players are Boomich, Olaf Meister, Jax, Sanji, LNZ, Kyojin, and Tizian. So Alright, well fuck this shit. Just for fun, because it's gonna be the most entertaining to me, is if I can make somewhat a revival of the Olaf Meister as my second best player. Yeah. I, I will have infinitely more fun than if I'm doing it with like Tizzy. <laughs> with other people. <laughs> yeah. If I can have a top 20 team with Olaf Meister as like my best or second best player, yeah. that, that, that'd be great. That'd be amazing. Okay. I have okay. so much fun. I, I, just, I, would just send tech, I would just send Olaf in with like Tech 9 just for fun. Just like amuse me. <laughs> Amuse myself. Tech Nine Meister. Tech Nine Meister is back, boys. Fanatec Nine. Um, JDC, who's your pick? I would have went like I wanted to go with Olaf Meister as well. No, I think is that too obvious? Damn, we're gonna pick Olaf because he's the only one that's been a star already. Yeah. No, I mean, no, I wouldn't go with that. I mean, just like that guy is a fucking monster, you know. And having him on a team would be a fucking Nice. But I mean, also, I won't lie though. Having like Sanji could be fun just to see like how he plays when he's not like a Mac Ten in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you put an AK and you give him like all the good rolls, and he starts dropping like one point thirties every map. Like, <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. No, but I would go with Olaf Master definitely. I think he's an amazing player, and I think as well that him being the second best player on the team, his ratings would go up insanely. He would like probably strive, and just you know, the people around him would learn a lot as well. So it would be probably easier to build a top 30 team with him in the team, just because he would impact everyone with his knowledge and, you know, so. Because I'm assuming in this scenario that, like, Olaf A is going to be down to, like, for, like, a project that's, like, trying to get into the top 20 where he's going to make one of the best players. And also yeah. that, like, he's, like, motivated. So it's, like... Yeah, yeah exactly. So assuming that he's motivated, I probably would pick Olaf. But Sanji, I think, would be would be a lot of fun, too. Yeah, I, I was actually leaning towards Sanji because it, because of actually a similar point to what you made, that it would just be like, well, Sanji as a star is something that nobody's seen for the last four years. So, like, where... It's also just, like, it'd be an interesting thought experiment, right? Yeah. Just for, like, me to see what happens. Because it's, like, Sanji is, like, the ultimate, like, role player almost, where he's, like, literally buying, like, shit weapons and playing shit spots a lot of the time. Yeah, exactly. And it's, like, I want to see what actually happens if, like, you take that player and you put him in, like, all the good spots. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, and like, think, yeah. can that guy, like, actually, like, elevate his gameplay to, like, a decent level? Or is that, like, just, like, a myth that people just, like, make up? <laughs> yeah. I, I, another thing is I kind of um, am taking from... I thought I saw some, what, rumor or headline or something about Sanji and VP kind of having some... There's, there's some turmoil in that camp. 
So it would be fun. Yeah. It'd be, yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be a lot of fun. Or, do you know what it is now? Like, what was the... Uh, it was something like uh, the they're expecting to take Sanji out of the lineup after the major or something. And uh, I don't know if this is true or not. Uh, I haven't, like, looked into it all. But apparently, like, their GM, their new GM who came in, like, a few weeks ago made the decision. And uh-huh. it may have not been the team's decision. Um, I don't know if that's true. I have nothing to verify that. But that's apparently what is what is being said. Yeah, it bears noting that the guy who was uh, tweeting about this was Overdrive, and he has gotten a few things yes. wrong in the past. So yes, yeah, exactly. Keep that, uh, that's true. He's only a couple okay. of pegs above <laughs> Danish leaks CSGO. <laughs> this is why I'm making like numerous disclaimers that I yes. do not have confidence in this information. Yeah, your journalistic integrity is at stake here. So those were all completely necessary. Yeah, I think that a fired up Sanji would be like fun to see. Like he's bloodthirsty. He's just like, "Oh, you take me out of VP? Like I'm a, I'm going to show yeah. you guys that like that was a mistake." <laughs> Something like that. Uh the only thing I have in reservation is that I think Sanji on Twitter only follows like four people, so I don't think he makes many friends. So I don't know if he has like a roster that he could like, okay. just build on the fly. Reasonable. <laughs> Imagine. We're going international. Yeah, he he can't even, he can't even have like the the card of like I'll drop you the op if he's gonna be the star player. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He needs to do it himself. <laughs> he needs to take up some CIS talent. But if there were any region to take up like talent and try to make a top twenty five team, it would probably be the CIS region. But Sanji doesn't even follow Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Does it? No way. No way. That's it doesn't. Oh my god, he actually doesn't follow Jim. He actually he, doesn't follow Jim yeah. on Twitter. What? The <laughs> CIS built Dude, different. That's actually so funny. That's... Yeah, so he follows Quicker, Yakindar, the GM of VP, the talent manager of VP, Buster, one of their sponsors, like Paramatch Esports, whatever the fuck yeah. that is. Like, and then he follows some like random Russian meme account or some whatever this is. But there's <laughs> yeah, no Jame. Okay. He probably uses Twitter like <laughs> once every month when they go deep. Yeah, they probably use VK more. Yeah. He he just posted a house of cards image yeah. like yesterday. So he doesn't follow his coach. He's... I would never accept that. My players have to follow me. Oh, that's, that's unacceptable. <laughs> that's an, is that you know what it was? It was when he dropped uh, Jame an op, and Jame just left him to have a USP and didn't even give him like a P250. <laughs> <or anything. laughs> he was like immediate unfollow. On Rogue, on Rogue, when we had MSL, um, you know, like the MSL Hiko lineup with Nico yeah. as well. Bias Cadian. So like MSL was still offing at this time, so like he'd always have to drop uh, an op to MSL. So like he'd like turn to Hiko and be like, "Drop me AVP." And then Hiko would like drop an AVP and MSL would just like throw a UMP in return. <laughs> and he goes like, awesome. <laughs> JDC, as the B Mirage player, you've, you can relate, right? I can truly relate. Actually, <laughs> I actually am not that kind of on a like, bad spot on B Mirage. I get a lot of benefits playing that position, actually, which is weird. But that's why I choose it. I don't know. BF is kind of fun. It is I fun. Like it. It is no, it's fun. only fun. It's only fun if I'm allowed the second up. If I'm not allowed yeah. to second up, I'm not, I'm I'm not allowed playing. to do it. I'm yeah, not I'm allowed to do it. Mm. That's that's fine. I mean, I enjoy BS. I was like, okay, I want to play that. Let's do it. Why not? Let's see how it works. There's a lot of teams where, like, if you go and watch their demo, you'll notice that like 90% of the rounds are just not in BS on on their T side. They like you can just push it all the time. There's like a, yeah. there's like there's like a few teams that are like that. It's always fun. Like we're do- we're yeah. doing it against uh, Gamut a lot, actually. Like now yeah. and Fallen, we're pushing apps quite a bit. Mm. Yeah, uh, I'm pushing. So, I mean, so I push for, it as well very often. Yeah, it's yeah, such it's, good it's information. Kind of, yeah, it's pretty easy to do as well, you know. Well, I mostly just, just do it because because I get bored. 
So. <laughs> yeah, J- jump spotting there is kind of annoying from time to time, right? And you're just like, all right, I'm going to push. I'm, I'm going like, to push right now. I don't give a fuck. There are four people holding. I don't care. I'm going to push that shit. Info. That's info right there. That's info, yeah. Um, for yeah. for my answer to this, I was going to also say Olaf Mice too, um, just because he'd probably be the most fun to build around. Um, also, like Olaf Meister was a player who was when I started watching Pro CS a lot, he was the guy who was the best player in the world for for ages, and watching yeah, that team same. was just ton of fun. So yeah. I'd love to see him come back like that. Uh, if I'm gonna keep it different from that, I feel like Jax would be a fun player to build around just to see what he can do with the with that sort of um, with that sort of role. Uh, yeah. Jack Jack's via the eye test alone, but like you watch some of yeah. his entries and how fat like he does hit one taps that are just like unthinkable with a rifle at times yeah. where it's just like, oh, that was the Jack's, is, even Jack's is always that. passed the eye test for me. Yeah, if, but if, if, it, I, if, if you like actually gave me this, I probably would choose Jack's before Sanji. Like, yeah, yeah like someone yeah. actually came to me with something like this. If uh, if I had to do this, I would actually pick Boomish, like for real, for real. Like other like other than the storyline. Yeah, I was kind of thinking as one of your two best players. Yeah, that's the thing that was like as one of my two best players. I was like, I would have picked Boomish as an IGL, but when you when you added that bit about having to be one of the two best players, I didn't think that that would that would yeah. do. It, so. <laughs> that, that changed my opinion. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, fuck, never mind. I think I I think I'd choose a motivated Olaf Meister before I chose Boomish. Mm. Okay. I think the other thing with Olaf is that when like he he obviously had like his struggles, but he was out of that lineup so many times, like in and out of that lineup, I think four or five times over the course of a year and a half. But especially now when he's been playing with Kerrigan for a while, it actually looks like he he has adapted to like the current game meta as well, which yeah. I really like. Like seeing him be able to take initiative and and do a lot of the like be very comfortable with the plays he's making in the game make me feel like he definitely could actually adapt to being like a top two player on a team. Yeah. It's not strange territory for him or anything. Yeah. I will bring up one of the reasons I would probably actually bring Boomich is just because he's definitely learned a lot over the last couple of years. And even though his stats nowadays aren't that great, uh, when he was on like Quantum Bellator Fire coming into that one major, he was like their you best player. Yeah. So he's a lot better back then. Um, Windstrike also, he did pretty well. So that's kind of why. That's why I would think of him as being a player that could reach yeah, sort of star fair. levels again. Uh, also, he would just kind of instantly give any team he joins a style, which they would kind of know, uh, you know, what he's going to do on round to round, so people could play around that. Not like as as drastic as art, but you know, he'll be getting in people's faces, giving people info. They would clean up rounds. So, yeah, that's. That's that. Okay, I think that wraps this whole discussion up. Let's do let's do some shoutouts here. I have a question before you before you move go for us. You yeah. you mentioned uh, the golden thing earlier. I want to know what team you want to plug him into. You said that's you had right. a team in mind. Oh yeah, that's right. That was one more piece of news that uh, we didn't we didn't mention that golden is he wants to be on the server again. And I think as soon as I scroll through the top thirty, the immediate team I saw that I would want golden on golden on is FPX. Actually, I think interesting. I would, yeah, I think FPX just has, has fallen off. I just don't. Yeah, really. I just don't see Emmy as like I don't know. as like a long term yeah. viable player. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. 
Yeah, well, I don't. I think too. even they didn't see him as a long-term viable player. They Stico Chris. did like an interview. Yeah, Stico did an interview, and he's like, "We don't need someone who's going to run in and like take the crosshairs away. We need someone who's going to run in and take an en- like get an entry drill for us." Yeah, and that's essentially what Emmy was like. Emmy was just running in and and trying to jump around so that people could trade him. And he said yeah. that they need you. Just can't do that. See, yeah. Golden has bad stats sometimes, but also sometimes Golden looks like he's like. Like his mechanics don't match like what his what his ratings are a lot of the time. Yeah, it's weird. I noticed something also about FPX when I was watching them more last year because they were in more kind of tier one two tournaments that I their mid rounding was not always super ideal. Like it almost felt like someone had to bail them out of a lot of mid rounds. And I think that Golden would just he's so good at mid rounding. Like that's just somebody that if they find themselves in a three on three, who's going to be the experienced caller to say what we should do here? And I think that just fits them perfectly in that sense. So that's a, uh, yeah, kind of out of nowhere, but good catch note. I did say that I wanted to talk about Golden before this started. All right, let's uh, let's do shout outs and wrap this up. Let's go with Pernogo first, the producer here, the guy keeping this thing afloat when Hell he yeah. is around. What have you got? What have I got for shout outs? Um, yeah. Uh, Dreamhack North American closed qualifiers have been announced. The talent has not. See you there. Oh. Okay. All right. That's my shout out. We could hear some of your casts. Sweet. Nice. Maybe, maybe wink. 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 You know, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's... Unconfirmed. HLTV. Yeah. JDC, what's your shout out? That's always a tough one, right? I don't know. I'm not good at shout outing anything. I just go ahead and shout out Mouse Plus, obviously. I have to do that, right? Now, shout out to Mouse, obviously. Um, Shout out to everyone supporting me recently. It's been actually amazing. I've been getting a lot of positive support, which is overwhelming to a certain degree. Um, Yeah, thanks, you guys, for being here. Talking to me was very nice. Having a nice chat with you. Thank you. And pretty much shout out to Razor for sponsoring, you know. That's pretty much it. Okay. Mix. The yeah, well, I'm like I'm like a free agent now, so I'm just gonna shout out um, Max Verstappen <laughs> leading the Formula One World Championship once again after this weekend's the Lands Grand Prix. Good stuff, good stuff, okay. Max. Who I'm sure All watches right. this. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna tune in for the shout outs part. <laughs> Someone will pass it along, I'm sure. Okay, no, right, what's, your, so. what's your shout out? Um. I don't really have one right now. I guess shout out JDC for coming on. It was nice. Woo, nice. I appreciate that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, I will shout out the fact that I have a booked-ass calendar coming up. And shout out, you know, shout out Blast, which just got, the talent just got announced today. uh, Because that is going to be fun to work with them. And then also shout out Fragadelphia. For bringing a land to North America, bringing multiple lands to North America when we need it most. So honestly, yeah, shout out, shout out to them because uh, they even. I think the thing is with Fragadelphia also the winner gets to. Are they instantly qualified for the no the so last showdown? The the it? top Fragadelphia five land. Yeah, yeah, and then like the top five qualify for like the. It's like an online event that oh, takes right, place right, right after, and then but, the, yes. but the teams who play at Frag get to play from land. Yeah. Um, oh. So the the top five teams who qualify for for the blast qualifier from Frag get to play from the venue as well. I think like either Frag or Blast, maybe both, they're covering like all of the the hotel fees and and whatnot for those those players as well, which is really sick. 
That's awesome. Okay, shout out to them even more so. So sh yeah, shout out to the little frag blast combo there. Uh, happy to say I'm going to be working with both of them uh, in short time. So that's going to be it here. And shout out to the patrons, the Patreon patrons, as always. And I think that's going to wrap this one up. So thank you, JDC, once again. You're a great guest. Very well spoken. Provide some nice insight. Appreciate. Thanks. What, Appreciate what you having me.